It's time to talk all things Minnesota Wild. Welcome to The View from the Wild with Brett Blakemore. Wild. I'm your host, Brett Blakemore. As you can tell, I am not in any mood today. It is currently 10.45. It's after the Wild game. Uh, last night, I'm recording this, and uh, this will be out tomorrow morning, uh, the morning of the 25th. And first of all, I just want to get out of the way that the, the reason that I haven't been posting a lot on here is because We've been doing a lot of stuff with Hoser Show, and just, I, I like to record in here if I can, um, at the studio here at KFAN. Uh, if it, if I get desperate enough, I'll do my home setup, but I just think it sounds better in here, so that's why uh, why it was kind of a wait. Also, you know, with the Hoser Show, like, if you want my immediate thoughts, um, you can go to that as well. It's definitely more of a relaxed show. Uh, it's not uh, this hardcore sports takes that... Uh, that you, I guess you're accustomed to with this show. Um, here's my, how my night's been. Um, and I'm not going to dedicate too much time to this because I know that the overwhelming majority of you guys are probably more happy than you should be about this, but my Packers lost this morning what, or this afternoon in just the worst way possible, as always. You know, oh, must be nice being a Packers fan. You get... Decades of Hall of Fame quarterbacks and one Super Bowl a decade to show for it. You know, I'm I'm genuinely just not happy about it. I'm I'm pissed. I'm in a pissed off mood, and then the Wild come out and are totally flat in the first period against the Sharks. They're decent in the second, and then try to win it in the third, and you just can't do that. So so I'm not happy. I'm not going to pretend that I'm happy. Because it is what it is. This, this is sports, and it brings me pain, and it it <laughs> it just it brings me never-ending suffering. And just another example of it today. Um, the good news, though, I do have some sports takes. Um, I'm gonna keep this a little bit short because I want to go home. So, and I w- I want to expand on stuff that I talked about on Hoser Show and expand on stuff and kind of give my full opinion of it. Right. So, first things first, the start of the season, um, I would give the Wild probably a report card uh, grade of probably a B, B plus. Look, I'm I'm excited as any I'm as excited as anyone that the Wild have the record that they do. I believe it's four and two. If I'm really bad at math, don't surprise. We've we've dropped two games and won the rest of them. Pretty good. Um, granted, it took. Going to overtime twice against the Kings, it took, you know, coming back multiple times against teams that are not supposed to be good, right? They're not they're not supposed to be good teams in L.A. and Anaheim. But funny enough, they're actually competing in this division, too. So who knows? Maybe maybe those were quality wins. I don't know. But overall, I thought we looked good. Um, the, the problem is which seems to be a trend in Minnesota hockey, especially Minnesota wild hockey. I mean, I, it seems to be a trend in Minnesota wild hockey that we, we just try to, I don't know if it's a, it's not an intentional thing 
that happens, but it just doesn't it feel like every time the Wild have something going for them, they come out the next game and just just aren't there, just haven't woken up yet. And I'll tell you what, the only person who was awake the whole game was Kirill. Um, I would say Kevin had a good game, but then you just see this like lackluster effort in our own zone. We're giving up damn near forty shots against. I don't know it, and and they touched on it on the the press conference too that we need to stop doing that. We can't win games by just trying to win into the third every time. I I genuinely think we're lucky to have as many wins as we do. Especially, I mean, we should have lost that Kings game realistically. But my biggest takeaways um, so far this year. Kirill is absolutely the real deal. I don't even think I need to go into that any further. You guys already know it at this stage in the game. He is unbelievable. He's a game breaker. I I love him. <laughs> Never met him. I love him. Um, it's exactly what the Wild have needed. Um, but this is the take, and a lot of you are not going to like this, but it has to be said. There's so much steam around Jules Eriksson-Eck being a top-line center, and I have come out publicly many times multiple times on hoser show many times on twitter but i haven't said it here yet um that i think that's a horrible idea to put him on Kirill's line or kev's line uh and i'll i'll defend it by this if nothing else i want to be consistent right i don't want to have one take that implies one thing and then have another take that completely counteracts that right my consistent take on the lines, and you can even put this in the Donato category because what was my biggest gripe with Ryan Donato on this team? They weren't accentuating his strengths, and you need to accentuate their strengths. Ryan Donato is a goal-scoring forward. That's what he does. That's his specialty. He, he makes opportunities. And when I say he's creative, he creates chances with his shot. He's a shooter. He shoots first and asks questions later. And in hockey, I love that. I'm all for guys like that. It's one of my favorite things about Kirill. And is Joel Eriksson-Eck, Joel Eriksson-Eck, is he, are his strengths on the offensive side of the game? Is that what he's, that's his strength, what we need to accentuate? Or is his strength in our own zone? Is it killing penalties? Is it winning face-offs? Which, I mean, winning face-offs on a top line is valuable, don't get me wrong. But once you get it, what are you going to do with it? If you're, if, you're defensively, uh, if you're defensively sound, his strengths are in the defensive zone, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with him being good at a defensive forward. He's Miko Koivu 2.0. And I know there's a lot of you out there that are like, oh, man, it just makes us feel all warm and cozy inside because we have a Miko Koivu type forward once again who's just going to play defensively responsible hockey. There's a lot of Wild fans that feel that way. Wild fans in my generation who didn't weren't alive when the North Stars were a thing weren't, or were kids when the Wild first came in are absolutely sick of this style of hockey. It makes us sick to our stomach. When when we were in the draft and Lundell was talked about with the Wild and was like, oh, he's a great two-way center, I almost threw up 
right there. I almost threw up in my mouth at just the thought of another defensively responsible forward. That's exactly what the Wild need instead of, you know, some goal-scoring prowess. That's why the hype around Kirill is the way that it is. Because we don't need that style of forward anymore. Um, here's the thing. That style of forward, it's okay. And there's always a spot on NHL roster for a defensive forward like that. But does would that actually help Kirill to be on that line? Would that actually do anything for him? The, the answer is no. And... I I have a solution. It's not a good one, but it's it's the only one that we got at this point, really. Um, it, I'll 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 finish this. Joel Joel Eriksonek. I I want to say Joel, but I think you're properly should say Joel. Joel Eriksonek would not compliment Kirill or Kev or Zach for that matter. Maybe Zach the most out of the three of them, but he doesn't compliment those types of players. Those types of goal scores, and if, if you Google Jules Eriksson Ek highlights, you're not going to see any pretty goals or amazing snipes, which is fine. Again, I I don't hate Jules Eriksson Ek. I don't want him traded. I don't want him off the team. I don't want any of that. All I'm saying is is that to in order to ex- accentuate their strengths in Kirill, in Kevin, you need to have someone that is offensively creative with them that they can bounce off of that they can get assists from and they could they can also dish the assist too if that makes sense and i don't think Erickson Eck is that guy um and that's what i wanted for Ryan Donato i wanted him to be on a line that complimented him you know who i would want on center uh, above everybody right now and i it'd be Ryan Donato i want Ryan Donato centering Kirill and Zach. I think that is a better option than anybody else that's on this team. And Dean Evison wouldn't give him that chance, but that's fine. Whatever. It's already over. But I'll tell you who should, and, and I'm not going to say Rossi, even though if had if Rossi gets healthy, I think that is option A, B, and C, in my opinion. But let's talk right now. Let's talk tomorrow uh, when we play the Kings at home. It's got to be... It's got to be Bugstad, and here's here's my reasoning behind that. I know some people aren't high on Bugstad, even though he scored last night, uh, twice really. If you, I know he did say that he pushed in the pads, so only once, but still, he's he's there, he's around the net, um, and that deflection was nasty. He has a higher ceiling offensively than Jules Eriksson-Eck. He he does, and there's nothing wrong with that. Again, I want to make clear that I don't hate Jules Eriksson Ek. I just don't understand how that's the best solution. Oh my God. Well, I'm caffeined up. I'm going to leave that in just for the memes because I don't want to edit it and I'm tired. Um, I don't know if that's the best solution <laughs> for for this top line fiasco. And we only have four options right now it's Bugstad, Benino, Eriksson Ek, and Victor Rask. Who has the highest offensive ceiling out of those guys? It's Nick Bugstad. He's shown that he can do it. He has done it, been that offensive-minded guy. He's not a grinder. hes I mean, he's a big body, but he's an offensive-minded big body. He's not like Jordan Greenway who's, or Felino, who are meat wagons out there. He's an offensive-minded guy. He's showed it in Pittsburgh and everywhere he's been. And, yeah, he's been a little banged up, but he's healthy now. And I think you gotta let them. You gotta let them ride. Um, so my suggestion is to have been or not Benio to have Bugstad be on that top line and leave it. 
and and be okay with that for for the time being. Now here's it, jumping right into my next take, and then imagine this more anti Dean Evison uh, talk. I don't like the way that Dean is flipping lines. I know this is just a hockey thing, moving lines around, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. But when you have a new young superstar like talent in Kirill, and you're moving him around, you're moving the pieces around him. When he's in a new country, he's on a new team, and you want to make this the best possible scenario for him. What good does it do to say, all right, well, now for this shift, you're going to be with Benino and Johansson, which he did in this game. It was late, but he did it. Okay, well, now your center is Victor Rask. And I understand you know, some guys are going some nights and some guys aren't. But you're never going to build that consistency. You're never going to build that chemistry if you don't leave them out there and and make it happen. I'm all, I'm all for, we're down a goal, there's three minutes left, let's put Kevin Kaprizov out there. Kevin Kaprizov. Let's put those two out there and let's try to score a goal. I'm all for that. I'm not saying the lines are locked and you can never change them uh, depending on situation. What I am saying is that you shouldn't change them every two minutes. You shouldn't change them every period. You shouldn't change them every other shift just on who's going and who's not because you have to build that type of chemistry. And in my opinion, Dean is moving guys around a little too much for my liking. Uh, I don't understand why he moved uh, Spurgeon. Like he moved him to play with Brodeen and then tonight he was playing – or last night, sorry – Last night he was playing with Suter again, like he usually does, and I just don't understand why you would ever break up the two of them because there are, in my opinion, our two best uh, defensemen as far as defense goes. Uh, obviously, Dumba brings a lot of uh, offensive punch, and Brodeen is an amazing skater. I'm not downplaying them. Our defensive core is really good. Uh, here's what I'm saying. you got to build up that chemistry, and especially for Kirill. If you're going to have any consistency you got to have you got to start with consistency right you can't just expect consistency and then keep changing things up and pulling the rug out from under lines so the best option for me and this is you know Joe Schmo who just talks on a microphone and presses buttons for a living i say we keep the lines as follows Bugstad centering Zach and Kirill Benino centering Johansson and Fiala. X centering Greenway and, uh, I mean, it's the third, and Hart, Hartman. I mean, honestly, those bottom six, you can just, because they all play the same style and they all, I, I know I just argued that, oh, well, you need to keep the lines. But you know what I'm saying. And that bottom six needs to stay as is. And also, that third line's playing really well. And Greenway and Eck, um, those guys are killing it. And I'm not saying that, you know, Eck isn't wasn't our leading goal scorer at one point. But all those goals are scored a certain way. Uh, and in fact, I mean, I understand. Erickson Eck has scored a lot this season. All of them have been those grindy goals, and that's okay. But he, you're lying to yourself if you think he compliments Kaprizov the best. You're absolutely lying to yourself. Now, let's talk goalies, and then I'm going to get out of here because um, I want to go to bed. <laughs> so I want this day to be over because uh, it's been top five worst sports days of my life, I think. 
So Cam Talbot goes down. Uh, Staylock still down. Now what I've been, you know, hoping for is now a thing. <laughs> now it is Capo Kakinen's time to shine. And you know what? All things considered, I actually really liked what I saw. I think, you know, again, he hasn't played a game prior to his first start a couple days ago um, since March, since last March, since the pandemic started. So he spent the whole COVID season on the couch, basically like everyone else has, and then he gets thrown into an NHL game. Now, obviously, he knew about his first start, but then he had to come in for Talbot, who went down, and now he's suddenly the guy. Um, now, before we talk about Capo in full, I I do think it's important to mention that this new, although unintentional, this new goalie tandem that we have now in Cam Talbot and Capo Kakinen, I think are a better duo than Devin Dumnik and Alex Stalock. Again, I like Stalock. I I've heard nothing but good things about Stalock. So I, I'm not happy that he's injured. I'm not saying anything grandiose like that. But what I am saying I think this this duo is better. I think they're more solid. They're more the the thing about the last two is that Devin Dumnik, who showed it when he played against the Wild and his all of his starts this season, is that he lets in soft goals. That's been his MO for the last three years. Um, and honestly, his whole career in, in Minnesota, but really the last three years of letting in soft goals and then having to lock in afterwards instead of just making the right play. I think I can count on one hand out of all of Cam Talbot's starts one hand, the goals that I thought were his fault. There weren't a lot of them. I actually, off the top of my head, I can think of one. And it was like in the first game where one just clanked off of him and then there was a rebound, which even that is nitpicking, right? A lot of them were back doors, breakaways, one-timers, things that aren't deflections, things that aren't necessarily the goalie's fault. Uh, I thought Cam Talbot was everything we needed which, in Tenebi's words, competent goaltending. All the Wild needed was competent. Just save the shots that you're supposed to save. And that's what Cam Talbot was doing, and in my opinion, that's what Capo was doing right now. Uh, did Capo look rusty start one? Yes. Um, did Capo, Does Capo... I think the only complaint, if I really had to find one about him, is sometimes the rebound control can be a little much. Uh, sometimes he... He doesn't really absorb shots like you want him to. Um, there was one goal where it clanked off his glove, and he knew he was pissed about it. And you know these things happen. I'm not. It was it his fault? Yeah, but again, it these as long as it's not a consistent trend. Uh, and I do think the rebound control can use a little bit. But again, that's me really nitpicking. That's like if I want to find something to be mad about, that's what I would find. Um, but what I'm I'm very satisfied with how the Wild are playing. I'm very satisfied with the goaltending. Um I am holding off on my optimism. I'm holding off on getting too high because I want to see this team play Colorado. I want to see him play Vegas. I want to see him play St. Louis. And 
until I gauge those performances is when I'll really start to either hop on the bandwagon um, or just hop off and, and just pray for Kirill extension. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which I'm sure it will come, but, you know, I just, I just like to be... I like to be sure, you know. I like to see it done. Um, so yes, overall B plus. I think Capo has done Capo and Ta- Capo and Cam say that three times fast has done everything that I've wanted them to do, and that is be competent. Dean Evison has done everything that I did not want him to do, in the sense of change lines every period. It seems. And not letting new guys build chemistry together. And also, I just don't think Erickson Eck is the answer at center. And I went more into depth than that uh, in the Hoser show. But, I mean, I don't know how else to spell it out for you. I just don't. There's a fundamental disagreement on what his strengths are. And I think no matter what you do with the lines, you need to accentuate strengths. And putting Erickson Eck with Kirill, with Kev, with Zach... With any of these offensive-minded forwards that we have, would would be a waste to everyone. It would be a waste to Eck because his job is not to lead the team in goals. That's not his, that's not why he's making his money. He's making his money to block shots, to be a grinder in the corners, to win faceoffs, to kill penalties, and that's fine. There's if you're trying to redeem, if you're trying to redeem that draft pick, which looks horrible. And it always will look horrible. Jules Eriksson can lead the team in goals for the next three years, bet by or I'll say be in the conversation for leading in points. I'll I'll taper back that take. Be in the conversation for leading the team in points for the next three years, and that pick is still a bust. There's no redeeming that pick after Brock Besser, Sebastian Ajo, or Travis Konechny. All these people. That we could have taken, and we took Jules Eriksson at a defensively responsible forward. Thank you for that, Chuck Fletcher. And that's fine. We don't need to redeem that pick. If we just have to accept it, it's fine. He's a defensively responsible forward. That's okay. So let's put him with people that accentuate his strengths. And I, I saw someone, and I don't. You're lucky because I don't know. I don't have it pulled up right now. Uh, but someone responded to me in the wild subreddit. Uh, that him being defensive gives Kirill the freedom to be offensive. Um, I can't disagree with that more. <laughs> I, I was trying to be respectful on the subreddit so I don't get downvoted. Uh, I genuinely, I don't know if I can disagree with the take more. I just don't think that Eck is the answer at top center. At long term, it's Marco Rossi. Long term, it could be Matt Boldy, who does play center. Um, at times, he is not a full-time center, um, but he can play center. It is possible, and he looked really impressive at Boston College and in the World Juniors. And then Marco Rossi, OHL MVP. This guy is for real, and I want him on a line with Kirill this year. Um, and, I'll, and I'll throw in one more hot take because I'm only like 20 minutes in. I'm not going to do Wildfire to Mild this time because uh, I just wanted to hop on a mic and uh, give you some wild takes because it's been a minute. If Marco Rossi is healthy willing and able, and if he plays competently, not not great, not bad, all I'm asking for is competence out of Marco Rossi. He should be on the Minnesota Wild roster for the rest of the year. And and here's, here's my thought process with that. 
why waste somebody who is in he's he's NHL ready his goal was to make this team Every, they drafted him to be NHL ready this year to play on a line with Kaprizov that is why they drafted him where they did i don't believe that they drafted him to stow away in juniors i don't i don't buy it why is this little injury changing that and now all of a sudden russo expects him to go back to to uh switzerland Kevin Fallness, he should go. I would be shocked if he went back to, to Switzerland. Why? What What is the harm at all? You don't want to bring up a guy too early because if you bring up a guy too early, he loses confidence. Why not have NHL experience? I, I'm in favor of getting guys NHL experience, letting them learn, because why not learn this year? And then next year, now we have a line with chemistry. It's not next year where, all right, well, Marco Rossi's coming in, so now we have to get him on a line with Kirill and make sure they build some chemistry. You know what they could do? Spend 40 games here and build chemistry for next year. Because, let's be honest, we're we're probably not a cup-winning team this year um, just based on the lack of number one center, uh, the lack of consistency. Yeah, it's it's been a handful of games. Um, and we haven't even played the good teams in our division yet, so who really knows? But then again, the good divisions or the good teams in our division are kind of being weird too with the standings. So I really don't know what's going on as far as the standings in our division goes. The point is, I would rather use this season to build up Kirill, to build up Rossi. I would love them to build up Boldy if, if they signed him after the college season was done. I'm okay with that. Because I think that if this is truly a transitional year for the Wild, let's make it a traditional year and really be loaded for next year and loaded with NHL experience next year. And I don't believe that they'll lose confidence and he got brought up too early and then he'll never he'll never succeed in the NHL. I think that's a bunch of wives' tales and old-time dinosaur hockey thinking. Get this guy NHL experience. Get him out there with a world-class talent in Kirill, world-class talent in Kev, world-class talent in Parisi, and and let him ride and see what happens. Because you've got to do it eventually. You've got to rip off the bandit eventually. 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 Uh, and this guy wants to play in the NHL. Why not let him have it? That's just my two cents worth. Anyways, I'm going to go home because I'm tired. <laughs> I want to go to bed uh, so this day can be over with. It's only 50 more minutes until this day is done. Um, I hate sports right now. Sports stink. They cause me nothing but pain. Um, hopefully I like sports tomorrow. You can follow me, Brett Blakemore, at Brett KFAN. You can follow the podcast at View from the Wild. Uh, also, follow the Hoser Show. It's actually more of a fun show. This is a sports, a hardcore sports show. Uh, that show is a very much fun show, uh, which with some sports sprinkled in, so a little bit uh, closer look kind of into to my life and Eric's life. Eric's really good, too. So um, definitely check out The Hoser Show. Just search The Hoser Show or KDWB. Um, until next time, we'll see you then. Have a good one.